Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the second episode of our podcast here. Today, we are going to feature David Armstrong, the owner of the Brewer's Kettle. And we recorded this episode live at the Brewer's Kettle in High Point. So as you can hear, it's a little rowdy in the background, but that's what makes this place such a great place to hang out and drink beer. So sit back, enjoy your favorite beverage with us. Cheers, y'all. So, hey, we're back with another uh, another episode of the uh, podcast here. We are coming to you from the Brewer's Kettle in High Point. And speaking of the Brewer's Kettle, we have the one, the only David Armstrong, the owner, founder, whatever else your business card says that I'm forgetting, uh, dishwasher extraordinaire, garbage taker-outer, floor sweeper. Help me out here. All the above. All the above. Anything else? Full-time dishwasher, part-time wine taster. That's, that's right. It. That's right. That's and if you ever get a chance to meet David, ask him for his business card. It literally says it on the business card. He's got a great picture of himself sitting in the woods on this beautiful chair. I don't know where he found the chair. It was just randomly out in the woods. I don't think I've ever laughed so hard at somebody's business card than when I saw David's and then flipped over to the back and saw all his extraordinary feats and full-time dishwasher, part-time wine taster, just I don't know. It, it just hit me the right way, and yeah, and the rest is history. It'll go down in the uh, in the annals of history uh, of uh, bottle shop lore, and we'll leave it at that. So yeah, so I want to kick things off. Obviously, David, um, when I started the idea, uh, me and my producer had the idea of like, hey, we should podcast some stuff. He was like, hey man, you need to write out a list of your top three. And I was like, well, David Armstrong, number one. Um, so it's taken a little while for us to kind of get all on the same page, get all the planets aligned, but uh, here we are. Uh, we've recorded all the podcasts here at your High Point location. It's been, uh, been a great experience. Basically, tell me um, tell me how the Brewer's Kettle started. All right, so can start I, there. Yeah, I started probably in 2006 uh, homebrewing a lot. So I was making a lot of beer, got really into it, was really interested in beer culture in general. The history of beer, I really got into German beer, Ryan Heiskebot, that kind of whole purity law thing really uh, turned me on the way you could get so much flavor out of a beer with just four ingredients. Uh, and so I kind of pushed uh, brewing a little bit as much as I could at home, had the idea to do something different you know, than my current job. And so I decided with uh, some advice from the guy I was working with at the time to open up a, a beer shop. Uh, and sell beer, which at the time there wasn't uh, a whole lot of people doing that. There were a few places, City Beverage in Winston, uh, Larry at Pipe and Pint in Greensboro, you had Best Way. So you had a few places locally that were doing it, but nothing really here in High Point. Just getting interested in, in all the different beers and, and wanting to try everything I could, it went from a hobby to something I was passionate about and then something I wanted to share with people. Uh, and something that people need a little guidance in sometimes because there's a lot of stuff to choose from. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you I mean especially even now. I mean, flat, fast forward, like you said, early you know early mid 2000. You know, fast forward to now. There, I mean, there's so many different breweries putting out so many different beers. I mean, it'll make your head spin. Yeah, I think in 09 when I opened the first shop, there were probably uh, less than there were less than 50 for sure. But I think it was right around like 42 actual breweries in the state. Might be less than that. I'm, my numbers might be off, but now there's uh, 300 plus. There's so. over 300. Yeah, it's I yeah. think 315 at last count or something like that. But yeah, it's in a short period of time, the boom has just been insane. And then to not only that, keep up with everything. So 
Um, you kind of touched on it a little bit, so so why High Point of all places, right? Because High Point is known as the furniture capital of the world. It's not really known for its beer per se. So was it just, uh, hey, I live here, so I want to open up something here? Or was it a strategic move to be like, well, like you said, there's one in Winston, there's one in Greensboro, and there's really nothing for High Point? I mean, it was a little bit of both. Obviously, I was uh, living in the High Point, so it was something I, I thought the community needed which is, is kind of part of how I think the bottle shop kind of culture itself comes about. It's supplying a specialty niche in a market that's a little more focused than, say, your grocery stores or your, you know, there's some gas stations now that have, like, their their selections are a little better than they used to be yep. uh, 2000 than they were in 2009. Yeah. But, you know, with the bottle shop, is a little more focused, uh, a little more uh, specialty stuff, you know. And I think it, that was, I wanted to do something in my community, and I was here. But also the space from other stores, too. It's like, you know, Greensboro uh, had a few spaces. Highpoint had nothing, you know, so that was the main reason why I did it. Yeah, know? and there's a lot of thirsty people in High Point, you know. There's myself, a ton of thirsty myself people. Myself being one, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, I so stay thirsty. I, I, I for one, uh, am appreciative, uh, as I'm sure all your other uh, fine patrons are as well, too. So, now, so another part of that question is, too, so, right, so you go from single location in 2009, right? So, so for people who don't know, the Brewers Kettle, you have locations in High Point. You have a location in Clemens. Uh-huh. You have a location in uh, Lexington. There's a location in Kernersville, and there's also one in Wilmington, right? But you personally run and oversee the High Point and Clemens location. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the other ones are franchised. Yeah, they're licensed stores, so they're owned by other people that are passionate about what they do, and they're also fit in with how we kind of do things. Andy Kennedy, who owned the Kernersville, owns the Kernersville store approached me almost six years ago to bring something about and we, we looked at some places and some communities. He found that Kernersville was a spot for him and he's done a great job with making that place his own and yep. really taking the name and the idea and taking it in a different direction with having a lot of live music and, and entertainment stuff and he's done really great with the brand. Steven and Wilmington's done the same thing. Uh, all the shops are kind of different. Obviously, they're owned by separate people, but it's really based on the community they're in. So it's like they can't all be the same. It wouldn't be as fun if they were all exactly the same and cookie cutter. Yeah. They kind of have to fit where they're at. And I think that's been the cool thing, that they've, they're all a little bit different, but there's certain things that you'll find in all of them that are kind of the same thread, yeah. which is really nice. I mean, which, I mean personally, I, mean, I think that's, that's great because, you know, like I've, I was at the Lexington store kind of sort of by accident during the grand openings. I think it was like barbecue festival time in Lexington. And yeah, I remember running I happened into to swing yeah, by and yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, David's here. And I met the owners there and everything like that and, you know, follow them on social media and kind of keep up with a lot of what they're doing. And, and it's kind of cool because like, it almost seems like each location kind of has a different, um, I don't want to say different feel. It has a different feel, but they also have a different selection, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So even you're not my, even both in- of my stores, I, I don't have, always have the same thing in both of my shops. Uh, just because of the nature of being in different markets, um, maybe you know current stock. A big thing I always try to do is make sure I've got fresh product. I'm not going to overload like with a ton of IPAs because I want to make sure the IPAs I have are super fresh yeah. and in date and drinking the best they can. Uh, same thing with like lager beers, whatever you know. It's 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 about fine tuning your selection 
and making sure that everything you're putting out for everybody is the best it can be. It's not about having everything, it's about having the best of everything and making sure you're doing quality with that. Yeah, so. I mean, because honestly, that there, there's nothing worse personally than, you know, going into like a bottle shop, I'm like out of town somewhere, going in there and then being like, oh, wow, you have they have this beer and you look at, pick the can up and you look in the bottom, you're like, oh, wow, this is from 2018. And it's like, yeah, yeah. oh, boy, I a couple, a couple lot of cans they, and bottles looking to see dates. I mean, I spent a lot of my time yeah. going through product and what just people call quote unquote shelf turds. You started the Brewers Kettle being super passionate about beer and everything like that. And honestly, for me personally, like when I started NC Beer Pride, like you were my local bottle shop, right? It was like, man, I need to go to the Brewers Kettle if I want to know what's happening, what's going on. And super refreshing to talk to somebody who knew a lot about the beer. But on the flip side, my wife, everybody knows her as 393, Nikki. She is not the biggest beer person, much to the surprise of everybody. She tolerates it for me, thank God. Um, but she loves wine. She loves wine. And I want to say for my... I mean, you may have had this passion all along, but I started noticing it maybe a couple of years ago. You're, you started getting this huge passion for wine. And I don't want to say it's outweighed your passion for beer, because I don't want to put words in your mouth, but... When did the wine thing kind of start coming into rival your passion for uh, for beer? Uh, you know, we we started selling wine in 2011. So I'd been open for two years, and we added wine. And at the time, I, I mean, I, I've worked in the restaurant industry for a long time, so I've had. I mean, I've always loved wine and enjoyed drinking it. But you know, I got into beer, and so I kind of leaned more that way. Uh, and then probably about really 2012, 2013, right when we were expanding the old shop mm -hmm. the first time, I really got into uh, Burgundy, so uh, Pinot Noir Chardonnay from France. And my mind was kind of blown with just, you know, you, you find your taste buds change every seven years and we, we go through these changes and for some reason something clicked and I really got interested in wine and, and more so about some of the, just the knowledge aspect of it. The fact that it, it is so vast, I guess, was a challenge for me, so I really got into the challenge and I felt like I'd really gone as far as I could with beer, which was not the case because things change with that say, a lot it keeps, too. Keeps so evolving, it, yeah. it, it evolves too, but I, I really, the thing is with wine, if, you, if you're going to have a good selection of wine, you really need to have researched that too. Same thing with beer, but wine, it, it's a little more place oriented than beer is. You can make good beer anywhere in the world. Yeah. You can't always make great wine everywhere in the world. There's certain climates, there's certain soil types, there's cer certain... Uh, just vineyard practices, things like that, that produce really great wines. And obviously there's all these wine regions that are historically been producing killer wines for hundreds of years, and there's a reason why. So I think that's re what really attracted me to it. But I, I think I've really dialed in now um, versus, like, say, three or four years ago, dividing myself enough where I'm focusing on both things enough. You know, I think every once in a while we get swayed and maybe something kind of leans uh, a little heavier. Like maybe I was into wine two years ago a little more than I was now, and it might have overshadowed some beer. I think I've wrangled it in. I'm kind of dividing myself between beer and wine. Yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, 
honestly, I mean, just from being in mostly the beer side of things, it's like, it's extremely overwhelming with the amount, just, just the sheer amount of beers that are there, right? And like, I try to be abreast on, you know, not only styles, but like, hey, this brewery released a new beer, or hey, this, there's a new, even brewery. I mean, yeah, I like, everything's happening so it. fast. Yeah. So, I mean, but I mean, the thing for me that was like, I thought was super impressive was like, now correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure like, didn't like you and Crystal, like when you got married a couple years ago, which congratulations, by the way, thank new you, weds, thank you, thank new, you. new child, everything like that. Yeah. Um, you guys like went to Oregon. We did. We went to right? Oregon. And, like did like wine tours and yeah, yeah. tastings and all that fun stuff. And we uh, went to Oregon. Both of us love Oregon wine a whole lot. Um, Willamette Valley is a great region for Pinot Noir. It was one of my favorite varietals. Um, obviously, a great beer out there as well. Um, but we went out there. It was great to be out in the the Northwest just because of uh, hiking mountains in general yeah, and stuff like that but it was it was one of those things where I really wanted to uh, kind of get immersed in it it was great we had a, a, an awesome time got to drink some good beers out there too um, been trying to you know I still explore beers as much as I do wine uh, luckily I now I have uh, some really great staff too that they focus on the beers I was gonna say they, I was like there's only so much that you as one person you know, basically running two stores can do. Yeah, and, and mainly what I do is pay bills. So it's, it's <laughs> and wash the, dishes. Yeah, pay bills, wash dishes, uh, <laughs> make sure there's paper towels and toilet paper. Yeah, important, very and, uh, important things. There's yeah, nothing worse than important. sitting down and yeah, there's yeah. an empty roll. <laughs> Getting stranded is not fun, no, for sure. No, it's not. You can lose your favorite shirt or your favorite socks. Yeah, but, One of the two. But, you know, staff, staff is important. People that are going to uh, be interested in beer uh, themselves and come to me and saying, hey, I saw this is coming. Uh, Instagram's been huge for me Yep. to be able to keep up with a lot more products. Uh, sometimes I mean, I think that's the way that everybody keeps up. I mean, that's the way I try to keep abreast on things, what's going on, yeah, yeah, current yeah. events, different beer. I mean, because if they're not posting on Instagram, it's like, man, how else do you get it out there? So, like, that's that's my biggest thing. It's quick. Well, too. Yeah, you know, it's, it's quick. It doesn't, take, you know, it doesn't take that long to put something out there, uh, even if it's not uh, super informative. You got a picture. I, I find myself referencing things with sales reps sometimes too from breweries and saying, "Hey, I saw this was being canned or this was being brewed. Do you know anything about timeline of yeah, when it's going to be here?" Any distribution on this X, Y, and Z. Yeah, but then again, with that too, there's so many of those. It's I mean, there's a lot to keep up with. The, oh, yeah. the, the market for beer uh, has gotten as intense as the market for wine has been intense for a long time and even consumer wise I think the the stigma that wine drinkers always had was being kind of snobby <laughs> and a little more difficult to source and stuff now that's the way beer is you know yeah. I find the cultures move to like people uh, I don't want to drink the same thing twice which is if it's good I don't know why you wouldn't go back to it I can see not drinking the same thing you know every night but uh, especially if it's bad well, yeah. If it's but, good, go for it. Yeah, yeah. If you like it, then then drink it. But you know, it's what's new. What's new is, yeah. is has been the culture. Yeah. And it's really hard to uh, keep keep that up and be sustainable. Really. I agree. Because I mean, I think that's 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 kind of been the you know the, the quote unquote unintended consequence of this beer explosion is that everybody's out for the 
well, hey, I was the first one to try X, or hey, I rated X on a certain popular app, yeah. right? And everybody's just like, I want to sample because this way I can check it in, yeah. you know, and move along and be like, hey, cool, it's another feather in my yeah. cap. Rather ticking, than ticking, yeah, yeah, rather than like, hey, I mean, because like my whole thing is, and, and you've heard me say it many times on the podcast, is beer was never meant to be bougie. It never was. It was never. Me- it was meant to be like. Hey, let's get some friends together. Let's have a good time. And you know, it's it's the great. It's the great. I don't want to say. You know, I don't know. Like beer and food are one of those things that's like you can have different political views, different sexual orientations, different everything. But it's one of the things that kind of brings everybody together. Beer and food for me are those two things. Like, like I tell people all the time. Like I go to a lot of grand openings at breweries, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for the wait." I'm like, "Man, I have no problem waiting for two things: good food." and good beer. I don't mind waiting for those things because in the end it's worth it. So it, it's super hard and I know it's kind of like just hearing people in the industry and different breweries and owners and brewmasters and other brewers and are just like, man, you know, it's so hard because like you said, nobody wants to drink the same thing twice. You know, because it's like, well, it's not a, I don't get a cool new badge or I don't get something as recognition for it where it's just like, man, if, if you found a beer you like, man, why, why change it up? I mean, like, even if it's like, man, if you found a certain style you like, go with it yeah branch out try something else but it, like I said it was never meant to be this like to be bougie and like you said you know, that was always reserved for the wine drinkers yeah. you know? and now it's now kinda, switched yeah it's, now it's, it's kind of bled over switched, you know so you brought up an interesting point where you said you have like, your staff do a lot of things and you know just kind of curious because I know some people listening are probably like well man you know I want to get into the beer world maybe I don't want to be a sales rep maybe I don't want to be you know working for a brewery but I want to work for a bottle shop you know like that can be kind of daunting because, I mean, you at the Brewer's Kettle, not only do you do beer, you do wine, but you also do cigars yeah. as well, too. So it's just like, man, where is there more room in the brain for, for not only beer and wine, but then now cigars? Because cigars are kind of the same exact thing. It's like they're, every brand and rap. They're and, intense. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, so if I'm Joe Schmo off the street, like, what's what's the application look like? Or what are some of the standards that you would expect from from somebody can can somebody green just coming off the street well i mean it's going to be tough obviously uh the big thing is always to be uh jack of all trades master of none uh some of us are good at being the jack of all trades and being able to do enough to be dangerous and everything uh but for some people it's like it's focus is a good thing just to make sure you're at least doing that really well if you've got good staff and people that can help you then it's easy to have your foot in, in a lot of places. You know, I can, I can have my eggs in a lot of baskets because I've got the people that can help me bring it together. Um, but cigars have been one of those things. I mean, I honestly sleep about four to five hours a night. That's all I need. I spend a lot of time uh, researching. Uh, I watch a ton of videos on YouTube, on wine, on beer on uh, just places in general, cigars. There's a ton of like information out there. You just have to take the time to, you know, actually search it out and not look at fails or whatever, yeah. you know. Get sidetracked, go- golf cart yeah, you crashes. Know, I mean, <laughs> although those are really cool those to pass hilarious, the time, the but way, you can yeah. get sucked into those like holes <laughs> oh, of yeah. You get sucked failures. really deep into the interwebs. But that's been, that's been big for me is just making sure I'm really staying researching everything that I'm passionate about yeah. because it keeps the passion alive for me too. Uh, cigars are one of those things where that, like, I wanted to know more about them. Yeah. Like you said, you you have you have the passion, you have the knowledge, and and to me, I mean, that was incredibly, you know, I don't want to say, 
you know, attractive, but attracting to your business. We're like, man, if I want to know something, David's my guy to go to, right? Because you had knowledge, but it wasn't a, I'm talking down to you type yeah. knowledge. It's a, hey man, well, let me educate you too and kind of bring you in, take you by, you know, put my armor on your shoulder and lead you into this world of beer because yeah. there's so much. And not only that, it's with wine as well too. You've taught me more about wine than I'll ever know. And my wife looks at me like I'm an idiot, you know, about wine. I'm like, <laughs> uh, David, what's the one she likes? And you're like, oh, she likes this one. Yeah. I'm like, great, perfect. You know, and it's, it's the same thing with, with the cigar world. You know, I, I like to enjoy a cigar every now and then, but I don't know enough about it. Yeah. You know, so I'm usually asking the person behind the counter rather than some guy who's like, uh, I don't know, that one's like $9. What's the difference? I don't know, that one's $8. They can really explain it. And I think that's, that's what's really cool because, you know, anybody who talks to you for more than a couple minutes, they can see the passion. They can see the, the love that you have for the craft that you're doing. And I think that's, you know, I don't want to put, you know, words in your mouth or anything like that, but I think that's, that's a big reason of why the Brewers Kettle has been as successful as it's been because, because of you, you know, because I mean, it starts at the top and works its way down, you know, really just doesn't care. And, you know, it's going to work its way down to all the employees, yeah. and that's the way everybody else is going to If be. I'm not back there washing the dishes, how do you expect all my employees to want to do the same thing and, like, make sure that you're getting clean beer glass yeah. and things like that, and they're important? And that's... I don't, I don't expect my people to do anything that I'm not going to do. Yeah. And that's just how, how I do things. Uh, this is a very fun industry to be in. Uh, we, we had the I little agree. conversation <laughs> earlier. We were talking about sales reps. And, yeah, which we're going to get right back yeah, into yeah. next. And, and it's, this is serious. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could do it as a hobby. Uh, the, the, the government will let you do that for a few years before they say, hey, you got to start making some money or something. And you got to start paying some taxes. Yeah, I mean, but it's serious. It's, I always said that my, what I'm doing is I'm in the business of leisure. Yeah. I'm in the business of selling you leisure time, whether it be a bottle of wine to take home and share with your family, um, a few beers to share with your buddy, a cigar to give somebody for you know to celebrate something. I am in the business of selling you leisure time, and time is valuable. Time is the most valuable thing we have, and I think the fact that I can sell you that time and help you enjoy that time a little more makes my job at least uh, mean something, you know I mean? Yeah. I, it's weird, I kind of search for meaning a lot of times in what I do, because I'm like, I really just peddle beer and wine, and, and that seems kind of, yeah. not that it's not important, but yeah. there's a lot of people who do really important things, like save lives and you know take care of people and stuff like that. But leisure time is important, and, and I take that seriously. Well, let's look at it this way. The people who save lives, at some point, they, they, they want to wind down from that this stressful job, right? This is true. So what do you provide? You provide yeah. the place for them to wind down at, right? And I think that's a very important thing. Like you said, leisure is a very important thing. I think it's a very under, underutilized thing. The world we live in now, everybody's so stressed and are running around 24-7 and sleeping five hours and, you know, uh, a, a night and, you know, doing things. I mean, they got to have the time to unwind, and you provide a space for, for people to do that. So I want to kind of transition over because you kind of brought it up. We were talking kind of off, quote unquote, off air, yeah. you know, about, hey, man, what's it like, you know, being the owner of a bottle shop? You know, you must be sitting around like perception is, you know, at least in my eyes, everybody has their own different perception of like, man, he just he goes into work, he unlocks and then he tries beer all day. Sales reps come in and it's just beer after beer and everything's great. And sure, I'll buy your product. And yeah, we'll have yours flowing here. I mean, that's the perception, but, you know, you managing two stores and then, you know, having five stores, you know, bearing your name on, like, what is that actually like? I mean, is it is it like that? Is it, 
you know, give us a kind of peek behind the curtains, if you, if you will, per se. I, I, it's a lot of uh, emails. You know, I mean, this, uh, this industry has moved a little more in the past 10 years to email sales reps, uh, people that are basically sending you price sheets and you look at them and you're picking beers out and you're not face-to-face with people. Uh, and that's the nature of it. There's so many places to sell beer to now that that's you just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. And so a lot of it is looking at lists and me being kind of in the beer and wine game, my stuff is, I see so many emails, there's some I just don't even look at. Just because I'm like, well, I just, I, I don't have time for it. I move there's only certain amount of hours in a day. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I've, I've built relationships with people who uh, kind of know what's going on. Uh, I spend a lot of time searching for what fits. Um, I, I, I keep up with things, but at, at the same time, I mean, it's really a lot of um, paying the bills. Yeah. Uh, going through emails because I know what product I need to have. I know what spaces I have. Uh, again, I have great staff who uh, help me provide things for people. Uh, so a lot of it is, is is dealing with sales rep and purchasing product, uh, but it's it's researching too. I mean, obviously, I don't I don't sit there and every beer I'm thinking about buying, do I go, what's it rated? Because the ratings are skewed anyway. You know, like yeah. Uh, when, when I first started the store, rate beer, beer advocate were huge. Yep. That was that was the thing. Beer advocate was where it was at. Uh, that's where you found beers uh, when people were chasing Hop Slam and yep. chasing KBS before it was readily available <laughs> yeah. all the time. You know, <laughs> On I the mean, shelf now, year yeah, round. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was one of those things where people use that to find information about beers and now, obviously, I've been in the business a long time. I don't have to research everything. Yeah. Uh, and with the new products, a lot of times they're hitting us so new that the ratings are probably. You know, I mean, I, a beer that's rated four out of five stars that's been reviewed three times is not enough for me to make a judgment on. It. No. Same thing with wine stuff like that. You know, I cannot make a judgment on something. So for for us, like we talked earlier, a lot of it's about the product I need. Uh, so timing is, is part of it too, you know. I might have a free 10 minutes at 11 o'clock and I happen to get a certain email from somebody. That's the one I'm going to look at. I've got time to do it. Um, and so it's it's one of those things where I'm sifting a lot of information. I, yeah. You know, I'm sifting tons of information. So you're not just sitting around, open to close, drinking different beers from different sales No, and, and in fact, I'm, uh, I'm here well before open. And gone, hopefully, well before close, because most of my stuff's ad- administrative. You know, yeah. at a certain point, uh, you have to turn over some duties to other people. I do drink a lot of beer. I get to taste a lot of beer. I get to taste a lot of wine. And, and I mean, that's you, you can't you can't not be immersed in it's part of the job stuff. It is part of it. Because I mean, how how are you going to be able to explain to a customer who's like, well, hey, you got that new beer on the board. What's it like? Yeah, I like. Right. I really, I really enjoy popping beers and stuff with customers when they're in. As far versus like, uh, you know, I got a beer sample, and I'm just gonna take it home and drink it. Yeah, I'm, I'm much rather open it, sitting around a few guys at the bar. One, I don't have to worry about drinking the whole thing if it's terrible. Yep. Uh, 
you know, but also I can get feedback on it or just like let other people enjoy something, you know, it's part of, I mean, beer is something and wine in general, all these things like, you know, pubs and places like that historically have always been places where people came together and, and we're talking, discuss things. So uh, it's for a me, place to go where everybody knows yeah, your name. Yeah, exactly. But you know, for me, I just I, I do spend a lot of time drinking beers, but it's really a, a lot of sitting down with other people and kind of just enjoying them too. Uh, getting feedback. Some people I trust their opinions. Some people I don't. But <laughs> you'll, you'll drink all the bad beers. So that's why you're here. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> hey, everybody like, gotta have that. Drink one this. Friend. It tastes terrible. Yeah. You know, smell this. It smells awful. Yeah. You know, you can't go alone. Yeah. Exactly. You you got you want to have someone to share that with. And Sometimes there's a reason nobody else is selling it. Good point. You know, so we we have to deal with that too. But it, it's. Right now, the, the, the industry's gotten so massive that we're inundated with out-of-state beers. Yeah. Lots of them. And there's tons of great beers. I mean, uh, so in 2009, when the store opened, I think we were just shy of pre-prohibition breweries, uh, the same amount in right. uh, the United States. I think it was something at 1,700, something like that. Uh I think the number in 16 was like 6,500. It's insane. It's like, so I think it's it like, like 8,000 yeah, now or something Yeah, because it was like 1,900 breweries before Prohibition. And then, you know, the thing, everybody was drinking beers that were locally made. So my focus really began to change probably two years ago to providing more local beers yep. and then providing more really, really far away beers as far as imports and things like that. Uh, I still love German beers. It's been a big thing for me to make sure we have quality German stuff, Belgian beers, yep. classics. Yep. Uh, and so it's been one of those things where I've really tried to focus on having a little bit of everything, but my main focus is local North Carolina stuff because we've got so many great beers. Oh, yeah, it's But fantastic. then some of the, some of the forefathers of, of brewing, you know, like... And making sure we have a lot of the classics in, because that's still a big share of the marketplace. But I think it's a really interesting thing for people to look back on. And these styles have been around so long. There's a reason why. Yeah. And so I, I think we we've done a good job. And uh, Andy's got a huge uh, European selection in Kernersville. David and Kim have a huge European selection in Lexington. Steven's got a great one in Wilmington, too. Everybody's kind of got on board with that, and you used to see a lot of that in the grocery stores, too. Yeah. Grocery stores it's don't all mess gone around now. with yeah, that stuff Yeah, it's all gone now. now. Maybe a few. I mean, you see Beck's and Heineken and stuff, but that that's mass-produced stuff that doesn't count as much as some of the smaller, you know, town-brewed beers that yeah. we are lucky to get um, in the States. That's awesome, man. All right, let's switch gears completely. Gears yeah, right, completely. We're, we're, we're going and going to go. We we're, talked about beer a lot. Yeah, we talked about beer a lot. So now I want to get to know David Armstrong, the person. We kind of got the history of the Brewer's Kettle. You know, grew up in High Point. You wanted to stay in High Point. Now, the one thing a lot of people don't know about you, right? A lot of people know that you cooked at the Country Club, right? Yeah, That's, yeah, that's yeah. where you, you got your, uh, your culinary skills from, yeah, everything yeah, like yeah. that. And Steak Street, I was there too. Yeah, me oh, and Matt. Steak Street, yeah, all right. Me and Matt were at Steak Street. Nice, yeah. I didn't realize that. I frequented yeah. that place, great place. But... 
what I want to know more about now is David Armstrong, the DJ. Oh man, scoop! That's what everybody <laughs> called me, scoop. I still tell, I, me, I tell still, me about that. I still get scoop a lot. Well, so I, I got that name uh, back in high school, which is really funny. Good friend of mine, uh, Steve Francis, is no longer with us. Uh, great guy, but gave me that nickname. Uh, I started. I've always been into music. I really enjoy playing music. I started DJing probably in. 97. Don't age yourself. Oh, uh, yeah. I just turned 40, so, you know. Uh, 97, started DJing. Um, played a lot of places uh, in town here. And uh, actually, me and Matt, who works for me, we were in a hip-hop group, too. Uh, I was also in a Jägermeister band, the Five Ales, for a while. Uh, that was a metal band. They were really good. Uh, a lot of those guys still play music. I do not. I don't have time. But... Uh, I, I, I gained a lot of uh, life experience. What was your instrument? What did you play in the band? Uh, I did turntables with a metal band, too. Really? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And the hip hop cool. group, I did a lot of producing and stuff, so I made yep. beats nice. uh, and things like that. I did not rap. Oh, I stayed, boo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I stayed behind the turntables where I, I should be. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, but I, I still have a, you know, a, a huge love for music, it's a big part of my life. Uh, I don't have time to play it. Uh, my my oldest son, Aiden Armstrong, I had to say his name. He wanted me to give him a little. Oh, he wanted a shout out. He, he did. Shout he did. He wanted me to uh, post his yeah. Reddit page and stuff, but oh, I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> I don't even know what's on there. I don't even have. I don't even know how to open the Reddit. Yeah. You know, it's like be careful what's on there. Shouting things out. But like that. I, I said his name, so he that's what he wanted. But uh, he he's inherited a lot of my music gear. I still have my turntables and my records, and I still have uh, some of my uh, DJ friends come up here and, and have some uh, nights where they spin and stuff. And every once in a while, I'll sneak on there and get a little scratch and so, uh, stuff. So, yeah, so for the people who don't know, there's a little uh, secret underground uh, uh, DJ Slipmat. Slipmat night, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that, uh, that freak, uh, not want to say frequents, but uh, every once in a while we'll make a... Uh, guest appearance here at the kettle yeah yeah yeah. march 21st i got uh dj 84 coming uh 84 he plays all over the place good friend of mine uh and he actually did our wedding reception at the kernersville store that was a lot of fun what i nice. remember of it yeah but it's always a cool he remembers night. all of it crystal don't worry he remembers every the good detail. parts yeah the good all the parts. good stuff yeah good parts. um you, we've touched on it a little bit you, like you said you just turned 40 just recently married, also had a kid. Brand new baby. Brand new yeah. baby boy. Yeah, yeah. Cute as a button. Yeah, a little um, army, six months old. So, married within two years, baby, business, full time. How do you have time for, for yourself? I don't. I mean, you know, the big thing for me is uh, I always tell people it's kind of funny. I kind of take vacations in bottles. Just, you know, I mean, I, I obviously I drink wine from all over the world, I drink beer from all over the world. I really, you know, I spend a lot of time, when I, when I drink something, I look at it, I smell it, I taste it. I, I really focus on all the senses when I when I drink something. And a lot of times it's like, that's how I relax. Yeah. You know, I mean, you kind of slip into work sometimes because you're analyzing everything and it's hard to enjoy some stuff, but a lot of my a lot of my time at researching, I really enjoy. It's fun for me. Um, so that, that's your escape. That's that how is, you, you know, manage stuff. I I love the woods. I love hiking. I, I spend a lot of time every chance I get in the woods, and, and that's what I need 
you know, sometimes to get away. But I, lo- I love spending time with my family, too. I mean, that's why I, I work hard uh, anyway. And, well, you know, with a new baby, and so I got a six-month-old, a 13-year-old, and that's a big difference, but it's, yeah. it's great to be able to spend time with them now. Uh, Aiden was two years old when I opened the store, so, you know, there was some time that I missed with him that I'm able to, you know, share with him and Ami, the new baby, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and it's good to be able to do that. And for me, you know, I guess we get to a certain point where that's what we need. Uh, I do get to smoke a cigar in peace and quiet every once in a while, too. And that hour to an hour and a half sometimes is enough. And to even, recharge your batteries, Yeah, basically. and even then, sometimes I'm like, man, I just want to go back and hang out with the kids and stuff. So... Um, I, I don't know if I necessarily need a, a lot of, you know, time to recharge my batteries because I really enjoy what I do so much. That's awesome. And, and I can even take some of the the mundane research that I do. You know, some people might find it boring or um, stressful because it seems like work. To me, I enjoy it so much that it's it's relaxing for me. That's fantastic. I'm lucky. Yeah. Very lucky. Well, let me ask you this this one thing as we kind of we kind of wind this thing down. So. So what is the one thing you want everybody to know about David Armstrong? Not so much David Armstrong Brewer's Kettle, but David Armstrong the person. Well, man, that's a tough question. Yeah, it's kind of out of the blue, so I apologize. Yeah, no, I mean... But I wanted a candid answer. I wanted a real answer. it's an interesting thing because, I mean, at the end of the day, I I want people to know that uh, I genuinely care about people and that that I've always been interested in... uh, doing something for people that might not seem like it mattered you know for me it's like even if I, if I gave you 10 minutes to sit and relax and have a beer or I was able to sit and talk with you for a minute um, I was able to at least give you something that uh, was with no intention of getting anything back you know that I was able to do something that was for selfless, selfless reasons. Yeah, to I, give something without expecting anything back, and I think that's that's a thing that, especially in now in nowadays, you know, in 2020, man. That, I mean, even you know, going forward, that that's one of the things that's like it's so, it's so it's such a missing piece. Like, hey, everybody's always giving something, expecting to get something in return. Yeah, I mean, you talk to people, and you kind of sometimes I, you can feel uh, there's a reason why somebody's talking to me. Yeah, and and I want I want people to know that I'm genuine. I'm interested. Yeah, in, you're not in, trying to sell them essential yeah, yeah, oils yeah. or something like that. And I mean, everybody says, "Oh, well, is this beer any good?" And I say, "Yeah, it's great." Well, you wouldn't say it was bad. I'm like, "Well, I wouldn't sell anything bad," you know. So for me, Bingo. it's like there, there's pure intentions in what yeah. I do, um, and and I I didn't ever I've never I've never sold beer or wine for money. I know it's kind of weird. But I got into this business because I truly enjoyed it. It was not about making money. It's nice to be able to make money and, and to do what I love yeah. and, and to make a living, but that's never why I did it. It's never been the not, motivation behind it's, things. It's not why I do it now. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously I do things to make money, but that's not why that's I That's not started. your driving factor of it's like, never hey, man, why I'll I bring in X, Y, and Z because... I know I can make more profits off this, right? yeah. even though it's not a, maybe not up to par, up to up to our standards, but we know it's something that can make money, and we're just out for the money. And you know, honestly, I mean, I've ne- I, I've not ever come here and been like, well, dang, that was a terrible beer. What was David thinking? I mean, your stuff's always been top notch uh, in everything, and, and like you said, I mean, even you as a person, I mean, that's what 
drew me to you as a person. Obviously, we've got to know each other over the years and everything like that. Our families got to know each other and everything like that. But it's it's the authenticity that you bring behind it. It's not a forced, fake thing where, hey, he's just saying this because he wants your money. I mean, everything that you say and you do is, is truly authentic, and I think that's what draws a lot of people to you, honestly. Um, and I'm going to leave you this one other, this last uh, yeah, question. Another, another yeah, screwball yeah. question. Yeah, another screwball question. Um, but I, I think it's a good one. Um, and I think it's one that's very uh, infrequently asked, even though I asked it a couple times here on the podcast. But I think it's a very important uh, question to ask that I think a lot of people really, truly deep down inside really want to know and are really sad when people don't ask them anymore. But what is your favorite dinosaur? Favorite dinosaur? Uh, you know what? Stegosaurus was the. It's the one with the all the spines, the and the spines plates on, the back. On, his, yeah. on his back. Uh, honestly, because I guess he just really couldn't do much, but at least he was protecting well, he himself. He had that spiked the tail, though. Yeah, yeah, he did have like the little ball with the spikes yeah. on it, so he just whipped it at you. But Stegosaurus, maybe. Yeah, man, know. and you know he was probably doesn't get the respect he deserves. I mean. Sledge was Sludge <laughs> as the Transformers. Oh, yeah. Dinobot man, he got my respect as a kid in the 80s. I can yeah. tell you that. He was one of the Dinobots, so forever immortalized as a Dinobot. David Armstrong, thank you so much for your time, man. Thank you for Brewers having me. Kettle. Yeah. Thank you, Crystal. Yeah, thank you, Crystal. Thank you, Aiden. <laughs> Shout out to the Armstrong family. Ami, thanks for giving up the time uh, for your dad and He's everything. He's probably like asleep. That. He's probably asleep. Or on the boob. That's right, one of the two. <laughs> Cheers. So yeah, so coming to you uh, from the Brewer's Kettle in High Point, uh, if you're ever in any of the areas of Wilmington, Lexington, High Point, Clemens, or Kernersville, check out the Brewer's Kettle. Tell them Dave sent you. Tell them Dave sent you. Hiya. They won't give you a discount. No, they'll probably <laughs> charge you more. They'll be like, Dave who? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you next time. See you. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the podcast. We're always looking for people to sponsor an episode. So if you're interested in sponsoring one of our episodes, feel free to reach out to me, chris at craftbeerpride.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can check us out on Facebook, NC Beer Pride, or on Instagram, NC underscore beer underscore pride. Hope you all enjoyed this episode. Cheers, y'all.